Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. And I think I repeat myself over and over when I say this, and yet I'm pretty excited today because I have, as he's already grinning, sitting across the table from me, Aaron Zapata. Aaron Zapata, welcome, welcome. Hey, thanks. It's great to be on the show. And I, like you, have said that many times on my podcast, and I'm, I am go back and I listen to it and be like, okay, I say the same thing every week that I'm excited about my guests. But it's so true. <laughs> like, it's so true. You just get excited when you get to talk with people. So, yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, I should have asked this ahead of time. Uh, so Aaron Zapata with Impact Properties, you yes. are the owner, the founder, the chief executive, everything, even though you would probably cower because you don't want to say that. You want everyone to know that. That's true. You're serving people. You're not dictating to them. Yeah, we've got a great team and there's no job that I would not do. So that's the thing, though. doesn't matter what, what chair you sit in you still sometimes have to do the worst jobs and that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, so at at least in this vein, you started that from nothing, right? Right. I mean, you were a, an agent, um, working for another uh, Mm -hmm. agency, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you get this harebrained idea that you're going to go start a business for yourself. Actually for 12 years, I helped another broker build his business. Okay. And we went from one office to three offices 26 agents to like 400 and then the market crashed and I had a 23 staff member team had to fire all but seven of them in the downturn. And then eventually the pennies dried up and he couldn't afford me either. And so I left that in 2008 Okay, and went and just went solo cold Turkey, hundred percent sales commission only for a different broker. Okay. So that was 2008. Yeah. 2008, uh, the very end. So 2009 was my first full-time year selling real estate. That was a really agent. good year to do oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> really great year. You couldn't have chosen like uh, 2001, right, 2002. Right. Yeah. No, like if you had had cash, uh, that was the year to buy property. I yeah. Mean, everything was bottomed out, but everything was short sales. Everything was horrible. And, you know, praise God he's provided. And I went into debt trying to do that. Being an agent in a horrible market, hmm. I think it took me six months to close my first deal. Whoa. And that's a lot of credit card debt to live on to make your house payment and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and just dug my way out of it over the next two years. Yep. But survived. Yeah. So, so, yeah, three and a half years into that, really felt God saying, hey, it's time for you to take that 12 years of education and apply it to yourself. So you learned a whole lot of lessons. And oh, yeah. so then when was that? 2012? So 2013. 2013. Yeah. The decision was made in 2012. Okay. But I didn't leave and start my own company until March of 2013. Okay. So 2013. Yep. Um, market's ticking back a little bit, but it's not great still, right? At that point? You know, it wasn't too bad. Okay. It wasn't too bad. I was getting some office leads. And so I had to check my own like lead source. Yeah. Make sure I was going to have enough to go on my own Yeah, because I wasn't dependent on the company anymore. Yeah. And so uh, I took and made the decision. I'm leaving. I had one guy who was on my team and it was up to him. It's Larry. I don't know if you know Larry, but I was like, hey, are you going to go with me or not? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I- I'm going to go like <laughs> either way. Yeah. And he chose to join me, still with me to this day. So was that like the uh, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, like you wrote the paper and he stood up and he's like, yes. I'm with you and the fish. Right. <laughs> yes. yeah. 
So I got my, uh, you know, I got my keys on March 3rd, March 7th, 2013. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty cool day. All right. So 2013, you get going. And so when you set off to, to start the business and to really get going, what was it? Um, I mean, what were some of those guiding principles? What, what was it that drove you to want to do this for yourself? Sure. Um, part of it was that I realized that when I was working for somebody else, I was building their business. Hmm. And I realized that no matter how good I got underneath their umbrella, that if they made decisions that were not good decisions, that my business would be affected hmm. by their, by their decisions. And so the previous company that I had built, uh, that company no longer exists. It's gone out of business. Uh, the company that I left, uh, there were some interpersonal things going on there with the broker owner and, and stuff. And I saw the handwriting on the wall. I'm like, wait a minute. This is two businesses that I'm helping build just by being there and using my skills and talents. Yep. And yet I have no control over the outcome. Hmm. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go build for myself. I'm going to go build for my team and I'm going to be the person that gets to make those good or bad decisions for better or worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So now that's on me and I still make some good decisions and some bad. So I remember, um, in, in some similar fashion, I remember getting into business for myself the first time. Um, and so similarly, I had to make this decision that I wanted to get into business for myself partially because, uh, of that same idea that, Mm -hmm. you know, my name was aligned with somebody else. Right. And there were certain things that I wanted to do or the ways that I saw to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was struggling because that wasn't always happening. Um, but, but for me, there was also a tension of pride, I think that I had to fight just making sure that it wasn't, well, I'm going to go start a business because it's all about Ryan and I'm smart and I'm right. So did you step through any of that? I mean, has there, was there that fight early on? How, how did you work through that? If that was the case? Um, for sure. There was some of that more so not to prove to others, but to prove to myself. Yeah. Like I wanted to know that I could survive on my own. I wanted to prove that I could do it. And I'm very competitive. Like I I was golfing this morning and I could care less what the other guy's scores were. I just want to know what my score is. Yeah. And how did I do compared to the last time I golfed? Right. And so I'm very competitive with my own track record. I want to be the best. I want to do the best. Yes, that's part of it. I want to be the best in, in the whole area. But for me, just to improve upon myself. And so part of that was just proving to myself. And so I I left with one person. I, my name was on the company. It's a pot of realty. That's right. And yeah, remember that? Yeah. So, uh, and just cause I had already had the corporation. I'm like, that's easy. That's the easy route. Yeah. I don't have to create anything. I'm just going to put my name out there. And, um, after a couple of years though, of, of achieving the level of success personally that I wanted to, I got really bored and it became really like totally not fulfilling. Okay. I had a lot of money. Uh, my team did a million dollars in one year. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, I took home a lot of money. I wrote a check for my line of credit, you know, and paid the whole thing off. Wow. And one, I mean, my wife and I walked in, wrote the $75,000 check, like take it, you know, cause we were all, we were completely out of personal debt, everything. Wow. Um, except for our house. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I was like, that's it. Got a lot of money. A lot of people know me but it became very unfulfilling. Mm. 
And so I decided in that year that I wanted to help others grow. And so we embarked upon a strategy to do that. And that meant changing the name so that it wasn't all about me, Mm. or at least making sure that perception wasn't there. And so changed the name to Impact Properties. And we went from seven or eight agents at the time to now over 40. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So on the surface, people that don't know you that are listening to this think like, boy, that guy, every time he makes a decision, it's a really good one. And it always works out for the better. <laughs> and, uh, and yet we know the reality is life doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, in your memory, what are some of like the greatest challenges that you've had to overcome um, a- as you've continued to pursue the success in business? I think the hardest challenge for me growing up has always been that everybody liked me all the time. Hmm. And what I didn't realize about embarking on a, on a road that's unpaved is that you're going to have bumps in the road. And not only that, you're going to create people that either support you or don't. And that's just a natural thing that happens to leaders. And so as I'm emerging, as I'm growing my own company, realizing that there are people out there that you know don't agree with the way I do things, don't like me, I don't like what I stand for. And kind of growing that thick skin, uh, that's been some of the hardest things to deal with Mm. is just knowing that not everybody's your fan when you're succeeding. Yeah. You know, you think that everybody's happy for you, but they're not, especially in in the business world. Yeah. You know, we all have competitors and they're like, what are they doing to be successful? And I just decided that I got to put my head down and not worry about it. But that's been hard, super hard not to worry about it. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that process look like of like... Yes, put your head down. Mm-hmm. Yes, don't get distracted mm-hmm. by the haters. We all have them. Um, but but how do you practically step through that? Like, Well, for me, if, if they don't know who I am, I mean, for me, my faith is huge. And, and every morning, uh, taking time to reflect, to read the Bible, to pray, uh, to journal, and to look at different things like that. And just to be reminded of the more important things in life mm-hmm. and to get re-centered on on the goals and the dreams that I believe I'm supposed to accomplish in this life. Yep. And also one of the things I've realized is that not every decision I make, and you talked about decisions and bumps in the roads and stuff, not every decision we make is going to be a good one or a bad one. And the bad ones, if you make them, that's okay. Like I've made some really bad decisions that have cost me tens of thousands of dollars uh, in lost money hmm. because of things I've done. But I've always had to realize that no decision I make today, I want to make sure that that decision and the outcome of that decision isn't going to bankrupt my company. Hmm. And so there have been opportunities I've turned away because I've been hyper to grow and I want to grow. And I had one person come and say, hey, I've got 23 agents and I want you to take over. And I thought, well, that's awesome. I have 12 agents now. That's 23. I got 30, you know, over 30 yeah. overnight. And uh, I saw counsel and wisdom and people are like, so if that fails, will that completely destroy the 12? And the answer was yes. And I had to submit myself to that answer wow. because my entrepreneurial, my like big dreamer, my big goal, you that'll do get it. me there faster. I could do it. I'll figure <laughs> it out. They, everybody around me said, if it doesn't work perfectly, you're out of business completely. Right. And I'm like, okay, so I said no to that opportunity hmm. so that I could build slowly, you know, but back to the answer to your question, 
realistically, it's knowing that at the end of the day, I serve a God who loves me, who cares about me, and who's willing and who has sacrificed everything for me. More importantly, my soul and my spirit and my future is all taken care of. What we do here, I just got to be a good steward of it. Yeah. And so that's going to bring criticism. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of criticism. And you got a wife and kids at home. I do. I do. And so how how do they play a part? I mean, I follow you on social media. We're Facebook friends. So that means we're best friends, right? Absolutely. Um, but no, really. I mean, I, I, I see how much you love and care for your kids, how much you adore your wife. So, but, so what is... What is what kind of role does your wife play in business? Sure. Because I mean, we would say I talked about this before to somebody else, like they're really one and the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we were again, we talk about our faith. Mm-hmm. We were called from day one to work, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh and, and work as a team. And so yeah, so how does that play out for you guys? Well, I'm the dreamer. I'm the risk taker. Uh, she is the conservative, don't want to take risk. And so we have a good balance, you know, but it can create friction at times there. But that's where I have to talk about the big plans, the big dreams. In the day-to-day operations, she's like, I don't want to know. You know, I was at a conference and I had people in the picture. And she's like, I don't even know every agent that works at your office anymore <sighs> because it's growing beyond, yeah. you know, what it used to be. And so we don't know everybody. We, she doesn't know everybody because she's not in the day-to-day operations, but big plans, uh, opening new offices, extending into new markets, those kind of things. It's really good to get her feedback because she is conservative and she will help fill in the blind spots Yeah, because I'm like, I can overcome that. I can do it. <laughs> And, you know, she was one of the council counselors I listened to that said, hey, you may not want to take this opportunity because it could bankrupt everything we're working on over here. Yeah. And so it's good because it puts the seatbelt on. Yep. So that I can drive the car fast. Yeah. I mean, I really feel that way. Yeah. You know, and I don't, you know, when you get in the car, like you don't hate your seatbelt, you know, that it crash like it's gonna be there to keep yeah. you safe yeah and so you don't get in the car like oh stupid seatbelt again right it's holding me back i can't you know whatever uh and sometimes feel that some guys feel that with their with their family yeah and like you're just holding me back uh and it's not that way it yep. really is there by god ordained principles to make sure that we're one and the same and that we're united but it's hard it's not easy absolutely it's never easy yeah because you never want to be told no right Especially, especially when it's your vision, <laughs> right? right? When it's right. Your, when it's your dream, yeah. And and yet, like I, I think, what I love hearing in that is it, it requires commitment on your part mm-hmm. to believe in them wanting your best. Sure, absolutely, right. And I think that that's hard sometimes mm-hmm. because we get this big vision, right? This big dream. And we know how to put the pieces together, right? We, we, we've, yeah, we've got it figured out. We've gone through it before. Sure. We know how to overcome it. We're going to win. Even if it gets messed up, right. we'll get around it. And we go to them and we're like, hey, guess what, babe? This is what we're going to do. And they're like, nope, nope. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? You're just a conservative one. Like, right. You're holding me back. And so that's, that's hard, right? Until you, until you are so confident in the belief that you are really for me. Yeah. And I think you learn that over and over again. Like, it's not something that was one and done. And like, hey, I know you supported me back then and it worked out great and you were right with your counsel, right? And then the next thing comes along and you're like, well, I'm not sure if it applies this. I mean, maybe you don't have the same insight that you did then that, that, that is required for now. Yeah. But it's so, it's so often just repeats itself time after time again. 
You know, they see things that we don't. You know, God usually gets two people that are completely opposite and puts them together so that you have fewer blind spots as a couple. And I see that with her. One of the things I still cling to and hold on to for us personally in our marriage was a couple of things. One is being in real estate, you work a lot of hours. and Too many. Yes, uh, absolutely. (laughs) And, And, you know, we were struggling with the commitment of what it would take to grow the business and stuff like that. And in her walk with God, she felt like God said, look, even in the Bible, it says you work six days and you rest on one. And there are going to be days when your husband has to work six days. And I want you to be okay with it. Hmm. And I couldn't say that as a husband. I couldn't just, and I could have, I could have, but it would have been really like arm wrestling, (laughs) you know, and praise God that that happened because that opened the opportunity for me to work. And as you know, real estate Saturday, Sundays are pretty big days. Yeah, Uh, I try not to work Sundays, but Saturday became a day that Quite often, I, I still have to work it. Yeah. But I get to do that without resentment at home. Such yeah. a big thing for us. Yeah. I mean, so that, that that's a challenging balance, right? I mean, you are like required almost because of the profession to work the weekends, right? You try and keep your Sunday mornings at least, you know, free. Mm-hmm. But nights are convenient for people showing property or mm-hmm. taking them around to see property. And so how do you, like, what does the rhythm of life look like? Because you also coach, mm-hmm. I know, right? Some of your uh, kid sports teams. Mm-hmm. And so like, h- how do you navigate that? Yeah. Well, I'm in a blessed position now that the company's growing, that I don't have to be out every night. I don't have to take every buyer personally out and drive them around. I have people at the company that are helping with that. And so that's been really cool for us to get some of that back. Uh, my open house is on the weekends. I have agents that do those and stuff like that. So that has really, really helped us grow back into a regular pattern. Hmm. So I'm at a stage where now it's a lot less work. Uh, it's still a lot of mental energy, but for the hours put in, I'm blessed. I get to drop off my kids at school in the morning. I do work in, at the office till 530, typically every day, sometimes in the evening by appointment and sometimes Saturday by appointment, but very rarely do I work on Sundays. But there were times when it was just a lot of work, a lot of business, and I'd be at the office till 10, 11 o'clock at night explaining contracts to a new buyer. Uh, and that's part of being a business entrepreneur. Yeah. You just have to put in the time. Did you, so, ever, did you ever run into the obstacle of um, using your family as an excuse to work. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, I, I, I need to do but all I'm this doing to... this for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you need to let me work more because I'm doing this for you. Uh, yes. I, I, I fought that for a long time and there's a song and it basically says, I don't know what the word is or who sings it because I'm horrible with like titles and everything. I can't remember anything. I have stories to tell you about how bad my memory is for song titles and stuff. But the song said that, you know, basically all the family wanted was the presence of their dad. Mm. That's it. Like you went away to work so you could provide for all these things. But at the end of the day, all we wanted was you, not the things, just you. And so that was convicting because we were in the car and my kids could hear and like, it kind of sounds like dad. And I'm like, ooh, you know, stabbed through the heart. Uh, like I'm working too hard yep. to provide for the people I love by going away from them. Yep. And all they needed was me, more of me. Hmm. And so I had to really trust that 
that the work I did, did during the hours that I was working really, really hard would turn into results so that I didn't have to work all the time. And the other part for me is um, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 127. And I don't know what verse it is. Maybe it's one, but it says, you know, don't toil. It's, it's vain to, to build a house without the Lord building it. And it's, you know, tiresome to rise up early and to, to eat the bread of hard work and labor. And my favorite part is at the end, it says, for God gives to those even in his sleep. Hmm. And, and depending on what version you read, uh, I take it to be this, is that God loves me so much that while I'm resting, he's working on my behalf to provide for me. Then I can literally pull back the throttle. I can go home and not return all the emails and not like everybody's posts on Facebook and not respond to every single thing that comes in, knowing that that's not going to hurt the provision for my family yep. later. Yep. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. I still learn it. feel like I learn it every day. Like, okay, it's 530. I, gotta, I, I need to be home. I need to go home take care of the family. I have swim practice tonight. I have soccer practice, whatever the case may be yep. and go be there yep. and be present yep. as best I can. Yep. It's hard though. Sometimes yeah. it's hard with technology and our yeah. electronic leash. Oh gosh. It's so hard. And I appreciate what you said um, earlier too, in the midst of talking about all the family stuff, which is so, so beneficial. I think for a lot of people that listen or have listened to my podcast, it's entrepreneurs and small business owners. And so one good lesson in there too is, is finding people to help you, finding mm -hmm. a team to support you, right? Like mm -hmm. your relief in some sense has been given to live the life that you want to live yeah. because you've hired other people on to support you. That's a challenge, right? Because you have to, and, and still there's a vetting process here, but you have to trust that they're going to do a good job, mm -hmm. that they're going to live out the vision that you have for your business. Yeah. Uh, you got to give up money, right? That mm -hmm. you could be, you know, earning yourself every time you, you know, you mm -hmm. turn a house. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of wisdom there and I think it's, it's hard to let go. Yeah. Um, uh, I just think that the quicker that we can do that, sure. the more quickly we can do that, the better. Well, I had a transaction one time. It was on vacation, and it was uh, between Christmas and New Year's. And this lead came in, and the guy wanted to see a $1.1 million house. And I'm on vacation. I'm out of state. I can't drive home five hours to go show this guy a house. So that was one of the first like situations where I was on my own after I left the other company. And I only had a handful, like three or four people at my company that were working under my umbrella. And so I, I had to turn it over. Like I was forced to turn it over to another agent and uh, the girl on my team showed it and we ended up splitting the commission. Right. And so we had a $24,000 commission split at 50, 50. She got half. I got the other half. And I could look at that one of two ways. A, she took half of my money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or <laughs> realizing like, man, like I was on vacation and I still made 12 grand. Yeah. Like how cool is that? Yeah. And so that, has always stuck with me is that it is definitely worth giving up some in order to preserve the time with your family. Yeah. I wouldn't have had anything hmm. had I not been able to give up half. Right. So I got way more than I'd ever bargained for. Yeah. And I was still able to spend time with my family. Not only that, the girl that worked for me, she's thrilled. Oh gosh. You know, she just made 12 grand because of an internet lead that came in yeah. while I was on vacation. Hey, would you take this one and go show them the house? Yeah. Wrote the offer, got it accepted. That's so awesome. All while I was out of town. That's so great. So I can look at it one of two ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I look at it 
the positive way, which is I made 12 grand while I was on vacation. Yep. I didn't have to be here for that. So you're definitely, you've been very successful in business, clearly sounds as if, and from all the things that I've seen and know about you, a great leader. And so what advice do you give to people that for some crazy reason, like, I don't understand why people get into real estate anymore because like, it just seems like there's a million of you. There right? are. And I mean, the, the, no, but a, there are, there is a million. Totally of a lot true. Of there are. So, so what advice do you give to somebody that's wanting to get into the business for the first time, other than go join Aaron at impact, because that's where you can be successful, which that's probably a good piece of advice. But what, but beyond that, what, what kind of advice do you give people? I used to try to get everybody to be in and hope they would succeed. I actually try to talk people out of getting in the business now. Okay. I really do. Uh, I was talking with my business coach and he says, what are your numbers? Like for everybody that knocks on your door or sends in a request or sends in a resume, like how many do you really hire at impact compared to how many want to talk to you and get through that process? And we figured it out and it's probably five out of a hundred. Whoa. We've interviewed over 40 people this year. We've made like nine offers. We just have asked the others not to come work for us or said, Hey, there's a better fit for you somewhere else. And so, uh, because that's part of my philosophy is that this is not an easy business. Like it's blood, sweat, and tears. Yep. You're either all in or you're out of business. Mm -hmm. And so I have a, a coaching training a partner at the office and him and I, Don and I committed to being brutally honest with people because people think it's like lollipops, driving nice cars and showing beautiful houses on the weekend. It's not. And well, that's what HGTV <laughs> makes it right. So yeah. it's, it's not what it is though. It's really, really hard. And so we tell people, this is hard work. This is what it's going to take. And are you able to commit to that? And they say, yes, of course we can. And then we have them do a disc profile and we have them do an Enneagram all oh. before we even make them an offer. And you and guys facilitate those? We do. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we get the results back and then we look at all that and we're like, okay, they were totally lying. Like they just trying to impress us. And because all of that reveals some of the more deeper issues that people are dealing with. And then you can call them and ask about these things. And most of them don't have answers and say, Hey, you know, there's probably a better fit for you because that's not what we're looking for. Yeah. We're looking for like, you know, the ninjas or the people that want to get really serious about their business. And so, uh, do you do that over text? So you don't have to offend them in person. No, we'll email them <laughs> a lot of times. I mean, I had a guy who came and he's been at this theme park for a number of years. And he's like, I want to go big in real estate. And we're like, you've been there 12 years. Tell me about your housing. I still live with my parents. And I'm like, okay, there's like a lack of ambition and drive yeah. that I can't infuse. Yeah. So if you're trying to get into the business and you think it's going to be easy, do us all a favor and don't. Yep. Don't even get your license. It's expensive. You'll spend a lot of money and you'll feel horrible about yourself because you won't sell anything. And I'd hate for you to get your license and then you be your first client. <laughs> Meaning you can't afford your house anymore. So you take your own listing and you sell your own house. Like that's the worst. But we saw that happen so many times when I was at these other companies. Like we don't want that to happen anymore. We don't want that to, you know, we don't want that to be an impact agent. Like, hey, where's your sign? In my yard. No, no. Like we have failed you. So yes, um, I try to talk people out of it. Oh my gosh. That is, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. So. Don't get into the business unless you really want to give it everything you got. I mean, that's definite wisdom. And so, yeah, yeah, here's what's funny to me. I see, and you can say the name if you want. I'm going to be careful not to. 
Um, so you you were just recently at this big real estate conference, yeah. right? How many agents were there? 5,500. 5,500. Mm-hmm. Of those 5,500 people, I would put a lot of money on the line that says very few of them are as successful as you are. And, and, and however you want to, however sure. you want to deem that, right. You're like, yeah, again, you get kind of somber. You don't want to brag too much, but I, I, I know I've seen, right. You're, you're a fairly mm-hmm. successful agent definitely here. Uh, but I would venture to say from people that I've talked to and worked with uh, there. Um, so there's, there's few that are what I would say are in that top echelon. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet people continue to go to these conferences, spending money, spending a lot of time to be inspired and to be motivated. And so like, how, how do you see that? And, and, and not, not, not the approach to coaching or speaking, not, not the people that are drawing them in, but how do you see that as working for or against people that are trying to get into real estate specifically because you live there, um, but just in general, like when yeah. people are seeking out that inspiration and motivation. I've been, I was thinking about that. And I was actually talking about it with a couple of agents and just kind of observing. This is the first big conference that I've gone more as a broker owner. Okay. Not as the agent. Mm. Okay. So as an agent, I'm looking, how do I get my business going? What kind of tools can I incorporate to make myself better? As the broker, I'm going, what are these agents really looking for? I'm like, what tools can I take away from me that can I can implement in my own company yep. to help agents do better? And I don't know that they're going there for inspiration. I mean, you can look at your Facebook feed and be inspired, inspired, you know, hmm. they got quotes, you got good things going on. You got people on vacation. Hey, look, I just sold this man. That's inspiring. Look, that person, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Right. That's an inspiration. Yeah. What I think for the first time I realized is they're going, there looking for hope. Wow. Okay. And hope is different than inspiration. I mean, a lot of the people that are going there and I've been in those shoes, I mean, I was driving into the seminar six years ago on the phone with my CPA talking about filing bankruptcy, wondering if I would have the $12 to pay the parking after driving around the convention center for like 30 minutes, trying to find a free parking space somewhere that I could walk in, realizing I'd get my car towed (laughs) if I tried that. And so I'm literally on the phone and I'm like, Hey, Mark, um, Tell me about the pros and cons of bankruptcy. Like I'm at the worst place I've ever been. And so I'm going into this conference, the same one that I just came from. And my whole purpose of being there was to find hope. Can this work for me? And so, yes, there's inspiration, but there is more the reassurance for internal motivation that says, I have hope that it can work. And I think that's different than inspiration. I think inspiration comes and goes. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody does a great thing and like inspired to do it. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, that's not going to work for me. The hope is like, I know it's going to work and I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. And because other people have done it. And so then therefore my hope is in the fact that because they've done it, I can do it too. Yeah. Because they, you know, all these conferences, whether it be real estate or, or marketing or, podcasters, right? All that stuff. You go to all this, you know, Hey, if they're doing it, I can do it. And it's just a reassurance that there have pe- been people that have succeeded. Okay. And if they're succeeding, I can hopefully model something in my own business after something they're doing. 
to make sure that I know that have the tools to yeah. keep this hope alive. Okay. So, so I mean, obviously you're an active participant and so you see the value there as long as you're going with the right expectations when you're entering into domains like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I tell you what, 80% of the people there got inspired, but still left without hope Yeah, because yeah. they don't know what to do now. They're just confused. They're like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't for me. Maybe I wasn't, maybe I'm not like them. Maybe I can't be like them. And there's something going on internally that just prevents them from doing that. And I can't help with that, but I can help my own agents like navigate through the emotions and the letdown, honestly, after a conference like this yeah. of really what's next. Yep. So I think that that's really stands out to me as a reason why you should align yourself with somebody that um, is intentional, that is disciplined, that has had some success. Uh, because I think that when you go to work for a lot of these big shops mm-hmm. or large brands, you're just another number, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm collecting your, your split. You're probably paying me on top of that something to be in an office mm-hmm. and whatever. It's kind of like an MLM <laughs> scheme in a sense. I, I hate to say that. There are some very much like that. Yeah. But if I go to you, mm-hmm. like you really have my best interest at heart, right? I mean, you definitely have a lot more invested into me right. than than they would anyway. Um, but I think it's guidance and things like that, right? And I don't think a lot of people actually have that, whether in real estate or anything else, mm-hmm. where somebody is sitting down with you and something as simple as like prepping before we go to a conference. Like, let's talk about your expectations. Let's talk mm-hmm. about your takeaways. I mean, mm-hmm. that stuff is just so big and... Well, I took our team to lunch the last day of the conference and just did said, you all go? Um, no, about 12 of us did. Whoa. We got over 40, but you know, to have 12 there, like when I started my own company, I had one person. And yeah. It's yeah. like, woo, you yeah. know, and two years in, I only had 11 people. So this year at the conference, two and a half years after we changed our name, it was so cool because I had 11 people there. I only had 11 people in my company two and a half years ago. So anyways, uh, that was a big personal moment for me. But I think in this whole idea, is when you are an entrepreneur or a business leader, you believe that you can do it all on your own. And you can't. You have to have people that surround you that are smarter than you, that are willing to tell you the honest truth, that have gone before you. And it doesn't matter what you're in, right? You, you have to have a coach. right? You have to have somebody that says, you're doing it wrong. If you just made this tweak, you'd do it better. Yep. And I take that approach with my own agents as we grow the company. I've taken that coach with me, that approach with me personally in hiring people to tell me I'm stupid. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I don't really pay people to tell me when I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like how crazy is that? Yeah. That we do that. Yeah. But that's what you need as yeah. a leader. You yeah. have to have people speak into your life the good things as well as lovingly communicate when you're just really messing up. Yep. Yep. And if you're not open to it, you're not a very good leader. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. Okay. So let me think about how I frame this. So you're, you're, you're kind of leading, guiding people in the right direction. So why would somebody come work for you? I mean, I kind of gave some of it away or at least my own opinion, but like, (laughs) why does somebody come work for you? Like why, why should an agent that hopefully will end up listening to this, uh, that doesn't work for you, 
why would they want to come work for Impact Properties? Sure. The number one reason that our own agents give for working at Impact is our culture. Okay. We have really put a lot of work and effort into building a culture hmm. that is contagious. And I'll give you an example. One of the girls, she just joined her firm a couple weeks ago. Brand new agent, moved down here from Northern California. And she's at the conference with all the 11, right? So she's one of the 11. And she pulled me aside and she just says, Aaron, it is just an honor to be a part of a group of people like this. And what she's referring to is our culture. And we focus on compassion, communication, competence. We focus on giving back, contribution. We focus on all of these. We have eight C's that we use. And that's how we start our recruiting interviews. That's how we end them. That's how we start our listing presentations. That's how we work with our buyers. Like these are our core values and we are a values based organization. And if you align with them, we can go on to step two. And so most people come to us and say they work for us because of those core values, because it creates an atmosphere of trust and an atmosphere of mutual support. And agents struggle with two things in this business. Number one is feeling alone. Hmm. They feel alone. They just don't feel like they have anybody to help them, which is crazy because there's so many of us. Yeah. And we just, they just feel alone. And the other thing is they don't feel like they have access to support. Hmm. And so there's the loneliness factor and no support. And so we have focused on creating community so that you're not alone and also providing support, online training, access to me, supervision, support tools, support staff, transaction coordinators, all the other bells and whistles, but people don't come for the tools. They come for the support yeah. that those tools offer. Yeah. And so that's, I think a simple way, uh, but it's funny because I was listening to a book and it's like, Hey, you have to do a self-assessment. Like you need to analyze yourself and you need to put this chart together. And actually it's not a book. It was uh, Dave Ramsey's entree leadership. And he, he drew this chart and it was on a webinar. And so I drew the chart and I sent it to all my agents And I said, you tell me, what am I doing great? What's confusing? What's broken? And what would you like to see? And so the number one answer that came back was culture. Confusing? Where do we get our support? I'm like, aha, we have it. We're not communicating. We're not doing a good job here. And so that enabled us to make some changes. That's fantastic. Like we switched our website, company provider, our intranet, where all of our tools are, because we had a problem. Yeah. And they showed it to us. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's great that you're willing to pivot continually as time goes on. So how often do you get outside agents that are calling you just looking for advice, support, mentorship? Like, do you get that? I do. Okay. Yeah. And what do you do with that? I give it. I have a guy up in Sacramento that we were coaching once a month. Okay. Yeah. Love and the guy. Do you charge that no. for that? You don't? Not for him. I don't charge for any of them. I mean, I basically coach my own agents, yeah. but he's the only one I have that's one-on-one once a month. Uh, and I love the, the guy. I mean, he's like a friend to me. So absolutely we do that continually. But I get calls from people. Hey, what would you do here? What would you do here, there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, and you said this uh, just a minute ago about, you know, you talked about loneliness and it's such a shame because you said, you know, you feel so lonely and yet there's so many of us. And I just think the shame there is there are so many of you like it's like we fear, quote unquote, competition uh, or our competition when in reality, 
we're not really competing against those people, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe once in a while, but typically a buyer or a seller will resonate with you because of you, right? Mm -hmm. You're not having to sell them. I mean, you're having to communicate what you do well, but you're not having to sell them, you know, like they're coming to you because they resonate. And so I wish people would get that, you know, a lot more than they do. Well, we tend to become very, you know, protective of our systems and things that we do. And I had one of my previous brokers said the coolest thing to us. He's like, so how many of you like delegate stuff? And we're all top producers in the room. Like all the top producers of this company had come to evaluate this tool. It's like, how many guys do everything on your own? And we're like, I do, we do. And like, why do you do it? And the number one answer that was given was because nobody can do it like we can. Hmm. Because we all feel like that the way we do it is the best. Totally. And no one's going to do it like I do. Yep. And he, with the straightest of faces, I mean, just said to all of us, says, that is the most arrogant thing you guys have said ever. Wow. And I realized it was arrogance. The fact that I can do it better than nobody, anybody else. Right. Like, that's pride. Right. And he just called us on the carpet. And he's like, you need a new paradigm. Because you're happy doing $15 an hour work because you think you can do it better. <laughs> Which goes back to the outsourcing idea. Exactly. Right? Go say, hey, I mean, like, who can negotiate a contract better? Probably nobody, because that's your jobs to negotiate the contract. But you're doing your marketing. You're doing your emails. You're doing everything. Like, seriously? Yeah. Nobody can do that. But you are the most arrogant realtors I know. And it was humbling because we were all in the same boat. We're like, yeah. I bet there's people that can do it better than me. Yeah. And there are like a ton. I suffer from dyslexia. So you do, I do. Wow. Which is great. I mean, I love it. I I don't like it, but I love what it does to me. And then it helps me realize that, you know, I need someone to look over things for me. I need somebody to step in the gap for me because I'm going to miss things. I'm going to get things wrong. Yep. Now, when a seller wants to sell their house for 900000 and I actually say 600000 like that's not a good moment to do it. But, uh, and I have, I have done that, like, you know, flip the numbers. But oh, we're like, oh, I'm dyslexic. So if I tell you your house is worth nine, I mean, we're six, whatever, you know, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. All right. So uh, as I wrap, I guess just a couple of things that I heard that were really important, I hope people take away. I mean, definitely, I think, you know, the wisdom, the con- the continual uh, exercising of seeking out wisdom and 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 making sure that you are uh, using that to the best of your advantage, you know, along the way. I thought I thought that that was really big. I love the idea, and and again, like I see this, you know, in you just at a distance, which is always great to perceive people. Um, you know, you just have so much focus on your family, on your faith, which are just such key and crucial things, right? We can't take mm-hmm. the business or the money with us. So at some point we got to, we got, we got to cut that balance out. And then two, I mean, you know, whoever may be listening, um, some advice to, to agents. Uh, first one, if you're aspiring to get in the business, don't, but if you really are crazy enough to do it, be prepared, work yeah. hard. Right. Um, I would say, um, you know, I, I think people should, you know, I would suggest that people reach out to you. I think that, you know, you're, you're a great place to start, particularly in Southern California. How, where, where do you span by the way? Well, I, I know you can sell anywhere. We can sell time. anywhere in California. I primarily do LA, Orange County, San Diego County. Cause we have an agent in Oceanside. We do Riverside, Corona County. Okay. And Corona County, San Bernardino County. And we also do, uh, pretty much the Southland. 
that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. So Southern California. So if you're in that area, reach out to you. Yeah. Aspiring to be an agent, great place to go. Impact properties. Yes. You know, we're also looking at licensing, which is one step away from franchising. Oh. And so if there's a big team anywhere in the nation that would like to align themselves with the same core values and things that we do. We are looking at different people throughout the country. There's a Northern California team looking at us. There's one in Colorado that's looking at us wow. as potentially becoming an impact office in those areas where we would provide the leadership support, training, mentorship uh, to broker to broker and be all under the same umbrella. Big time on a Big whole time. new level. Oh yeah. It's the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. So far. So far. Right. right. Okay. So, uh, so if people are interested in doing that, I mean, I'm going to link contact information to you in the show notes. They can reach out to you if they have any of that, if they have any of that, again, crazy ideas, big time, um, big vision, big dreams, big goals. Uh, all right. So I appreciate your time. I mean, it's always a pleasure getting together with you. Um, fun to learn a little bit more about you, things that I didn't know. And, uh, I guess we're going to see what's next for you. What's next? You know, you can check out my podcast, which is always a great way to reach out to me as well. It's called the Impact Success Podcast. Okay. Uh, and that's a place where people can hear me interview other top agents around the world oh, about cool. what they're doing. And so I think the number one thing that I'd like to leave today really is for the leader who's listening to this and whether or not you think you're a leader, you're a leader. Like if you have one person following you, you're a leader. Like you have to get better. You can't just glide as a leader you have to grow and whether that's you know going deep in your faith strengthening relationships with your family like all of that's learning how to be a good leader because we don't want a dead leader at the end of the day we want somebody who's alive living excited about the future and you got to learn to be that person yep all right so on that note and that piece of advice i'll leave this episode with a quote that i absolutely love which is that we should attempt to pursue perfection, knowing that we can never achieve perfection, but in the pursuit of that perfection, we'll achieve excellence. And I think that's what ultimately a leader is all about, right? It's achieving that excellence. So thank you. Appreciate it. Been great. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.